Hi, this is Fraser Hines, uh, Jamie McCrimmon from Doctor Who, and you're listening to Nerdology. Hi, this is Mark, and welcome to Nerdology. I'm very pleased to be joined today by two very special guests. We have, in no particular order, uh, Rich Tipple. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thank you. And Mr. Kieran Hyman. Hello, hello. How's it going? Going good. Yeah, excellent. It's somewhat early in the morning for Kieran, so uh, apologies to him for that. It's very early in the morning. (laughs) Now, you two gentlemen have been rather busy of late, haven't you, to put it mildly? Uh, yeah, you could say that. It's been uh, it's been quite quite an intense few months trying to get this get this project finished uh, <laughs> because we uh, we set ourselves a bit of a deadline a few months ago. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, we've we finally finished and we're over the line, and we've completed a, uh, a full colorization of a William Hartnell era episode of Doctor Who. So, how did it all begin? Give us a little potted history of, of how this all started. Oh God! Um, so it was essentially um, it was essentially my idea. Uh, so I, you're I, to blame. I'm to blame for this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, I began, I guess, in earnest in in, in January 2014. So uh, almost exactly okay. six years. Wow. Uh, in the making, um, but that is uh that's that's because i i picked this up on my own um and you know in that time i got married moved house had two mm-hmm. children so um it was it was sort of a labor of love that that happened in my spare time um wow. but it was only really when i decided you know i needed a team a really really good talented team of people to help me um that we actually got anywhere with this um and that was when uh when, this is when where kieran, kieran comes in that's where Kieran comes in. So Kieran could probably pick the story up there. Yeah, well, I came into the group, I think, 2017, I think, uh, mm-hmm. after I'd posted some other colorization online that you guys had seen. Mm-hmm. And I think you, Richard, asked me on board. And yeah, I right. did a sort of test shot for you, and you uh, decided that I was competent enough in uh, colorization to join the team and uh, have a go at this episode. So as well as you two guys, there's who else is in your team? There's someone I'm familiar with is uh, Scott Burdett, who's I think I think it seems to be something quite common between certainly I know of Kieran's work probably a bit more than Rich's, but um, Scott and Kieran both seem to be these kind of polymath types who can just turn their hand to anything and are amazing at everything. <laughs> yeah they're very very well I, I like to think so yes <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've got um we've got scott and justin they complete the team of four okay. um mm. and they're both i think kind of predominantly um photoshop kind mm. of users um which is really handy actually because kieran and i prefer to use after effects i think that's fair okay. to say um yeah, and absolutely. you you can use you can use kind of both tools to colorize mm. black and white footage um but to be able so to what have are the a... pros and cons of the two different ways of doing it? Oh, um, so I would say After Effects is probably slightly quicker 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things you can do with masks to save a lot of time that okay. you don't have um, because you're working with video and After Effects is designed to support that, whereas uh, Photoshop is kind of more working on stills. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, there's there's ways of, of working we found over the last kind of few years that are able to kind of amalgamate the best of each program um, in a way that allows us to kind of utilize things and create an image that looks as stunning as it would be if it was created in photoshop um but as quickly uh, as you're able to lock something together in after effects so yeah, that must be one of the that. great things about having a collaborative effort because you can all bounce ideas off each other and uh you know learn new techniques to kind of make it more workable but you know without having to spend you know another six or seven yeah. years on it Oh, absolutely. It's been an unbelievable learning curve. I, there's so many things we tried that didn't work, um, mm-hmm. you know, but that's just kind of part and parcel of finding your route through to, to a kind of a way that did. Um, and I think it it means if we were to do something like this ever again, you know, we've we've really honed our ways of working. You know, when we first started, we didn't even really have a broken up shot list things assigned to people oh wow you know yeah, that's right we didn't have that it, did we? It, you know it was you know yeah you know if we were to do another project the first thing we would do is assign a shot list to people mm-hmm. um, and everyone would take a certain bit and then we would uh you know it was only really when kieran came aboard that we got really organized and that's when we knocked together little kind of um cue cards i guess that told okay. us how each character needs to look how each scene needs to look how you know exactly what color the that control button needs to be you know whether chen's top is this shade or that shade we 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 had everything in a sort of bible that everybody could refer to um that sounds amazing it it was it was completely necessary because if you've got four kind of separate i guess artists working on something you know you need to keep it looking like it was all kind of it was a one vision Mm -hmm. Uh, so having something that we could all refer to and all get the colors from was absolutely essential and then it was, you know, loads of little learnings along the way, lots of little tips and tricks we picked mm. up, lots of things yeah. we tried. Um, it was an incredible process, really. But um, I think, you know, in the last few months, we were putting scenes together in in, in days, um, whereas before it had taken us, you know, years. I think wow. it was that bigger, that bigger time saving. Incredible. So for those who are perhaps less initiated with the uh, the old Doctor Who from the 60s um dalek's master plan i have to say as soon as i saw this announcement i flipped my lid uh it was amazing (laughs) just seeing the trailer come up uh it's one of my favorite stories and certainly my favorite hartnell story um Mm. so sadly Mm. there were only three extant episodes out there at the moment um and it's a massive 12 part well 13 if you include um the little cutaway as well uh it's a huge story um so what made you guys or rich seeing as you started the whole thing what (laughs) made you choose uh day of armageddon as your pet project um well like i think (laughs) it might sound silly but it's such an exciting episode um and Mm -hmm. i knew i wanted to do something i wasn't going to get sick of um and i hand on heart i could i could watch i could watch it again tonight you know i've not got <laughs> bored of watching day of armageddon it is that says one a lot the greatest 25 minutes of doctor who ever put together is it's so exciting there's so much going on it's it's set piece after set piece 
Um, you know, uh, and I guess if I'm working on an, an orphan episode or something, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to have the pressure of someone turning around and saying, can you know, do the, do all of it because <laughs> you can't, they don't exist. So, so what happens point, if Phil yeah, Morris suddenly <laughs> announces that he's found another five episodes? I will be absolutely delighted if that, <laughs> if that happens and out of pure euphoria probably agree to something that <laughs> I'll never be able to finish. Um, but, you know, it was it's um, to anyone who's not watched 60s Doctor Who, you know, mm. you're massively missing out. It's for me, it's the it's the best era of the show. It's unbelievably creative. It's so exciting. Um, mm. it, the ideas are so fresh and so new uh, and you've got some incredible acting talent. Um, I think black and white can put a lot of people off. So I'm hoping a project like this is just mm-hmm. going to get people who perhaps wouldn't normally give black and white television the time of day, a, a chance to kind of reevaluate that and watch William Hartnell's portrayal of the doctor with, you know, fresh eyes. Mm, I uh, think and, it's nice you know, as a little slice of 60s who for someone who hasn't seen it before, just to give them a little taste of what it can be like. Well, it ticks a lot of boxes. You know, you've got Daleks, you've got Hartnell, you've got Courtney, Stoney, Purvis, you know, and you get to see all those kind of exciting and, you know, mm-hmm. pretty legendary figures all in one episode, um, you know, in, in colour. Uh, and, it, you know, it moves really quickly as well, and a modern audience needs that, I think. I think if maybe we'd done a, an episode of The Web Planet, as mm-hmm. exciting as that could look visually, um, it might not hold the attention in the same way. Yeah, I guess it's because of the fact it's an orphan episode. Maybe it's got a perhaps less people who would have seen it um, unless they're maybe diehard nerds like ourselves who've <laughs> forked out for it on VHS and DVD and what have you over the years. Um, yeah. In terms of the, the whole colorization process, that's really come on leaps and bounds even more recently. I know because I'm quite old uh, and I'm a big fan of things like Laurel and Hardy I remember back in the 80s there was this huge thing that Hal Roach Studios had invested a lot of money in this new technology that was coming out um, where computers could colorize old black and white movies so it was this massive news story that you're going to be able to see them in color and then when you actually saw them it was quite disappointing because the the color palette was like really limited it looked like someone just taking crayons to it. It was just really quite a shame. Um, but if you look at the technologies around these days and what you guys have been able to achieve, uh, it's incredible. It's so realistic. Um, that's what I can't get over. The last few years I've seen quite a few bits and pieces of Scott's work um, and it just looks so natural. Um, and that's something that's... I guess is that down to the technology or how how do you think that's really moved on? I think technology plays a huge part in that but you know I think it, there's there's a lot of artistry um as well um mm. I, and I think the better the technology gets the more it enables the human element to kind of get involved um and and create something that suits um their vision. Uh, mm-hmm. I think in the in the 80s they were kind of doing very very kind of light washes of of color over kind of large areas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, to be honest, it wasn't much better than the sort of Victorian tinting of, yeah. of photographs. To be honest, it looked it looked pretty dreadful. Um, you know, 
people like like Kieran, you know, closure is now, mate. Um, so <laughs> so talented, so talented, um, and have, have taught me a huge amount about how you bring out someone's skin tone. You know, like you know, people's people's faces are on one color. You know, there's 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 flecks of red and blue and green and and orange and there's all sorts of stuff. You know, your your earlobes and your and your nose and your chin are a completely different color to your cheeks. And you know, it's just there's so much going on on a human's face, um, and you need to put a lot of time and effort into getting that right so someone like me that takes a huge amount of my, my time and effort so i haven't updated my colorizations online because i've just been working on this project i've had mm-hmm. i've just been kind of head down trying to get it right where someone like kieran like he's so good he works with color so naturally mm-hmm. that he's able to do this and then do a little bit of something else and share an amazing colorization on twitter and then go back to this again you know like i can't do that i have to focus all my energy into something um that you know kieran just sort of like knocks out in in a couple of weeks and without, without wishing to make him blush too much um <laughs> i've been aware of kieran for a while now um i remember he used to write into the blue box podcast that i used to do with a friend Absolutely. Called yeah um and then one of the things that really struck me uh having followed him online for a bit were this incredible um, way he's got about compositing um, photos together. So he went on a little road trip of um, places in the UK that oh, yes. had been used for locations for old Doctor Who. And he's just seamlessly put himself into those locations and you can kind of put them side by side and it's just incredible. Yeah, those sort of now and then... Mm-hmm. comparison photos and composites that I did when I was on holiday there. Yeah, a lot of people have said to me that, um, you know, that that's sort of what they know me most from, that they've mm-hmm. seen on Twitter. And uh, I had to point out, you know, that's only something I did over five weeks whilst I was in the country and uh, <laughs> that I don't actually live there. And some people were surprised to hear that when I was last there. Um, but I also used some of my colorization skill doing that because... Uh, mm-hmm when I did the composites of locations that were in black and white, I did colorize some of the photos for those composites. Mm-hmm. As Rich says about skin tones, they are very much the most difficult part of a colorization to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, cause that's your focus is going to be on the, I know you've got all, it's particularly in this episode, you've got so much going on. You know, you've got Daleks setting fire to jungles and all sorts of other amazing mm. things going on. But at the heart of it all is these characters that you really get to care about. And yeah, you if you, for any reason, don't sort of believe in the way that they're presented on the screen, it kind of takes away from it. But the short clip I've seen looks really incredible. I completely, I completely agree with that. Um, about uh you know things have to look things have to look right in a colorization or straight away you know something's up and you sort of switch off from it i think um the standards that we've set with this project have been really really high um and there's been times where we you know i've just had to go back to stuff that i did you know years previously and just start again because it just wasn't mm-hmm. good enough um and i you know you mentioned those 80s colorizations um, earlier, uh, mm. and I think actually they're a real they're a real problem. 
um, because they've sort of given people preconceptions of what colorization is. Yeah. You know, they have a very unsophisticated colorization in front mm. of them that was made in the 80s, you know, um, and it looks dreadful. It looks absolutely dreadful. There's absolutely no skin tone whatsoever. It's just a, a wash of color, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's ways of automating things that now look kind of less than ideal. I know a lot of people use certain certain tools online um, and mm-hmm. you get all kinds of kind of color shake and flicker. And uh, For me, you know, if you're going to colorize something, you've got to do it. You've got to do it right. You've got to do it manually by hand um, and you've got to keep going until it looks right because ultimately people are going to switch off. You don't want people to realize they're watching a colorization. You want them to be really impressed with it at first and then to just watch the rest of the episode. They get swept up in the story, kind of, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and forget about it. You know, I, I often, mm-hmm. I, kept, I kept liking it to the role of a kind of referee in a football match, you know. A good mm-hmm. referee, you don't notice yeah. a, a good referee um, because the game just seems to flow. And that's what I wanted this colorization to do, you know. As soon as there was something in it that wasn't quite right, if someone's skin tones were off, you know, if mm-hmm. someone just looked kind of oddly oddly blue or green or whatever, then you'd, you'd failed because the audience would, would realize something's up. So, um, you know, we've set ourselves a really high bar. Um, I think, by and large, we've, we've, we've done ourselves proud with it. Um, but I guess the, uh, the true test is what people, what people say. Well, that's right. I mean, you guys are, well, Kieran is going to be taking it all the way over to LA mm. to uh, Gallifrey One. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, going to be shown in the main stage at Gallifrey One between a panel on the upcoming animations and a panel on the upcoming Blu-ray collection box sets, uh, which I think is a good spot to put it because, uh, you know, the um, interests of the audience are sort of similar. Um, and I'm going to be talking a bit beforehand about the colorization as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, a perfect place to to really show it off because you've got diehard fans who are really going to appreciate mm-hmm. the work that you guys have done. Yeah, and because of how much they have at Gallifrey One, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone at the event is going to be interested in colorization, but everyone in the room will be because if uh, you know, you're not interested in watching it, you don't have to go to that particular panel. So um, I've not yeah, been, but I, I know it's massive. I mean, there's so much going yeah, on there, isn't there? The, the list of thousand people at the event. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll have a room full of people who very much enjoy colorization and uh, I'll be able to get some opinions about what they thought of it afterwards. Oh, I really hope people who aren't interested in colorization also come along too and give it, give it a chance. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. <laughs> get a whole new audience. You mentioned earlier about skin tones, and one thing that's been a bit of a subject of debate over the years is um, what, exactly what color uh, Mavic Chen's skin should be, and how did you come about making a choice on that? <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Kieran take that that, that <laughs> one. <laughs> well, having been responsible for the skin tones, I can tell you that I've used the exact same reference file for. Mavic Chen's skin as for the skin of every other character. Okay. Um, so the, the the exact same hue, that's for sure. So what, but, um, what what that essentially means is what you're seeing is is how it was done in the studio mm-hmm. on the day. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which there's one there's one color reference. Um, uh, I believe there's one color reference. So I'm curious. Well, I'm wrong. Um, there's one photograph of um, 
Kevin Stoney on set from the Daleks Master Plan episode eight, where he's okay. wearing his Mavic Chen costume. Mm-hmm. So we know what color the costume was with the blue yeah. arms, mm-hmm. but he's not wearing his makeup. So oh, okay. we can't tell for sure exactly. Like he certainly doesn't have the beard on or the, you know, the hair. Yeah. Uh, so whether or not he had any particularly different colored makeup, we can't tell from reference photos. It's just slightly too far away. I think this mm. one, but yeah, it's uh, I, th- I think people enjoy it. And ultimately I think, They'll hopefully understand it's a it's a product of its uh, of its age, and uh, what we've tried to do, do is reflect exactly how it was uh, how it was how it was filmed, mm. and be as authentic to that as I guess we can be. Yeah, I mean across the whole colorization, we've been authentic to what it was on set as much as we can be, but also a bit of artistic license in terms of being true to the story in ways that they wouldn't necessarily have been on set because they were filming in black and white. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think there's that shot where Mavic Chen is standing behind some bars as uh, him and Zephon are watching the burning jungle and there's yeah. this flickering light in front of them. Mm-hmm. Now, presumably on set, that could have just been a white light, but we've given it the red tinge of fire. Mm-hmm. that it would be in reality um as well as in that same scene there's a a photo backdrop in the background uh, that's uh, got a picture of one of the model spaceships which presumably on set would be a black and white photo mm-hmm. uh, but we've colored it because that's the way it would be if they had made it in color they'd have yeah. printed a color photo like all those black and white daleks in uh there's cardboard Daleks and power the Daleks. They'd have been uh-huh, yeah. black and white in reality, but if you're going to colorize that, you do it color. So it's that sort of dual thinking between what was it on set, what would it have been if they were making it in color, yeah. and getting a mix between the two. And and coupled with about a billion decisions at every single stage as well. <laughs> that was, <laughs> you know, like we we know what the Spa ship it was supposed to look like for the air, yeah, the exterior in color, because we have a, a photo of that model, a color photo. So yeah, if, cause it still exists. That it, model. We, we, we have a photo of that. We can make sure that it looks exactly how it did. Um, mm-hmm. there are, there are props in the background, for example, that we reuse later in the Pertwee era that appeared in color. So we know exactly what to lift kind oh, of colors cool. from. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's, so there's stuff like that. Um, but then there's loads of things that we just had to, make a decision on you know and that could mm-hmm. be as small as the uh, uh the little kind of this this like little chains or, or something little little flourishes on um nick courtney's costume of course his, mm. his belt you know um were they silver were they bronze were they gold were they mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so <laughs> the little things you would you'd never even consider when you watch the episode but you know yeah that's why those color palettes came in hand and we had all those decisions made up from yeah, cool. and a lot of the guesswork comes in the sets as well, um, certainly of the Dalek City, where there are no colour photos of what the set was, but there are those colour photos from Episode 8. Mm-hmm. So we can sort of be aesthetically similar in the colours that we choose. Uh, for instance, the uh, blue floor mm. of the Dalek City. 
we, I mean, there's loads of behind the scenes color photos or Power of the Daleks being made as well. They're really helpful. Mm. Um, you know, we can, we generally know the floor, the walls, you know, we know the type of color of the mm-hmm. controls, all of those sorts of things, you know, and you can start piecing them together. Then you find, you know, you can kind of start working stuff out really by, uh, by thinking, well, it can't be red because we know that that shade there is supposed to be red, and that one's clearly different. So you know, you can you can deduce a few things as you go. But it's been um, it's been incredibly fun working it out, um, uh, arguing arguing the toss <laughs> over it, and, <laughs> and then kind of making a decision. Um, and sometimes going like, no, you know what, that was just painted a flat silver color, but we're not going to do that. We're going to add the the flickering. <laughs> the, the flicking reflection of flames on it instead because we like a challenge i'm going to probably ask something really stupid now so bear with me as someone who only really uses lightroom every once in a blue moon um i take it the fact that both of the two separate programs that you guys are using because they're both adobe programs they kind of communicate to each other so if you make a, a color decision you can just pass that over to someone else in the team and that will recognize the choices you've made and then they all kind of sync up or or am i getting a bit too carried away there they don't talk to each other in that way oh, okay no not not naturally but um but you are able um obviously you can be absolutely pinpoint with the colors between the two mm-hmm. um so if you tweak something in after effects i think oh actually you know it looks much better in this scene if we just drop the blue slightly um, mm-hmm. we can copy that across to, to, to Photoshop and apply it quite quickly to everything. I think it just speaks volumes of the how beloved these stories are, the fact that, you know, back in the 60s you had people who recorded them on audio tape, so we've still got the, the missing episodes that we could enjoy, and it comes right up to date with you guys with this, what you can only really describe as a labour of love to to bring this project to fruition for... Well, for you, it's been quite a, a journey, I would imagine. It's it's been incredible. In fact, I got I got really emotional, pulled myself quite a stiff drink I'm not when surprised. we uh, when we finally finished it. You know, because um, my life has changed um, an incredible amount since I started this. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea the journey it would take me on, um, and it was it's it's been. Yeah, a labour of love. There's no other way of of putting it. There's there's no way this sort of thing would six years ago when I started it could ever have been kind of commissioned by anybody, but because there's it, just there's no way of making it commercially viable. No, um, back then, mm-hmm. um, it it was just something that would just happen. You know, there was so much to learn, um, so much change. Um, you know, whereas now, even in the last few months of working on this, we were developing new ways of working on things, which may not make it commercially viable quite yet. I don't know, mm-hmm. but certainly there's, I'd say certainly there's there's room for a conversation around it. I was going to say on that note, obviously the lucky folks who are going to be at Gallifrey One in February will be able to, to check this out. But are you hopeful that perhaps it might be able to find its way to a wider audience? Um, yeah, we're, we're optimistic. Um, we, we've, but we've put so much time, um, and love into it, um, mm-hmm. that, and I think people will really appreciate, 
what we've what we've created and there'll be some people who are just not interested in colorization and will hate it you know regardless um well, but that's fair enough they've still got the black and white episode to watch if they want to they, they? All, all, exactly all we're doing Nothing's is spoiled. Offering, all we're doing is offering choice to people who, who might want to see it in a different way um we're really mindful that you know this is just a fan project it was something that was started at home on a laptop um by by me because i love the <laughs> program um you know and i just wanted to imagine what it looked like in color um so we we've not we're not officially endorsed by the BBC. We haven't got any backing from from that point of view, um, but it is something that's kind of caught people's imagination and it's absolutely taken off. So um, it's really exciting and we really want to get it out there and for as many people to see it as possible. But we obviously we don't own Doctor Who. There's loads of kind of legal issues around um, sure, the BBC yeah. and the Terry Nation estate and all those mm-hmm. sorts of things. I'm not no interest in getting myself in any sorts no, of trouble. I can imagine. So um, we won't just be uploading this to YouTube for the world to see because that would no. be that would be reckless. Um, but you know, we spoke to to Gallifrey One, you know, and. We'll talk to conventions, and we are talking to conventions in the UK as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've got, um, I'd say, a lot, we've had a lot of interest. I can imagine uh, your inbox has gone absolutely crazy in the last few days. It really has, you know, with um, with, with podcast requests like this. Um, yeah, with, sorry with, about that. <laughs> no, no, that's good. You know, we've had um, we've had a few media outlets want to talk to us about it. We've had, um, you know a lot of conventions um a lot of fundraisers in the uk that want to screen it and show it and it's all absolutely fantastic and really exciting and we're just saying you know great go and get permission from the bbc to screen it um and then that's great once we've got once we've got that permission and it will have to be on a case-by-case basis at the Mm -hmm. moment um then you know kira scott justin myself will have to go along and answer some questions do a q a talk about how we put it all together um, and I guess long term, I think Kieran would would agree to this. We'd love a DVD release if we oh, could ever. that be the, go the, the extra or something? That would be that would be something a bit special. But I guess we just have to wait and see. Well, you never know. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're going to go for a commercial break now, and then when we come back, uh, I'm going to be asking Kieran and Rich for their recommendations. Attention all Daleks, look for these special Doctor Who packs of Weetabix. Each one has one of these four Doctor Who action games, three of these stand-up figures, and a secret message from the Time Lords. We must capture these special packs of Weetabix and exterminate, exterminate, exterminate. Collect the special Doctor Who Weetabix packs and enjoy your daily wheat, while stocks last. Exterminate! And welcome back. So before we get started on the recommendations, I'd just really like to take a moment to thank these wonderful people who have left reviews for the podcast. Um, If you are enjoying the show and uh, you just want to show a bit of appreciation, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can just click on that and it will take you to whichever is the most appropriate place for your device and uh, you can just drop a review. Um, Hopefully, you know, saying you like it, but, you know, if, if it's not your cup of tea, I guess... It's better than nothing whatsoever. So I'm just going to read out a few here. Uh, so uh, we've got one here from Decepticon X in the United States. It says Cracking Good Podcast. Um, we have Dirch Pepper in the United Kingdom. Uh, says Great Podcast. Thank you very much. Um, we have uh, Peter David Hoopler. I'm wondering if that's his real name. Possibly not. Um, 
I'm a bit late finding this podcast, but it's very good. Covers a wide range of culty, nerdy goodness in a fun and informative manner. Smashing. Um, and then just a few more here before we wrap up. Uh, Cult 101 uh, says, Ian... And uh, he says, consistently fascinating, amiable and insightful. More soon, please. Um, and we also have uh, Sucky. Now, I have to come clean here. Sucky is one of our guests who's been on the show. Uh, but thank you for that, Sucky. And finally, Tartan Jeff, who I believe is probably Jeff Waddell, who uh, we name checked in the last episode. He does get around a bit. He does like Doctor Who and other stuff. He's said very topics, everyone presented in an entertaining manner. Even if the topic is not one you've, you've experienced before, it doesn't matter as it's still great. Cannot recommend it enough. Thank you very much, Jeff. Oh, I'm feeling all loved up now. That's great. Um, so now we've got that out of the way, I am going to come to Rich and uh, find out what he has got to recommend to our listeners. What have you got, Rich? <laughs> well, it's uh, nothing, nothing nerdy at all i'm afraid but uh, in right. between in between colorizing i've been taking a screen uh, break by reading barbara king the lacuna okay. uh, it's, it came out in 2010 mm-hmm. uh, it's absolutely um it, it's a, a, a stunning book um it was won loads of literary awards and um it was a it was a wonderful kind of uh, break from from reality uh, it swept me over to the to the warm heart of Mexico and to the cold embrace of 1950s McCarthyite America um, wow. from one page to the next. It's, it's, uh, it's an unbelievable read. Um, and I'd, I'd, I thoroughly recommend it if you're looking for something uh, to take your, take your mind off the here and now it's uh, the lacuna by Barbara King Silver. Well, that sounds great. And uh, Kieran, have you got anything for us? Well, I can't say that I've uh, got any recommendations for TV shows or books. I haven't been uh, reading or watching anything recently, but I have been spending. I have indeed, (laughs) but I've been uh, spending a lot of time scanning uh, some of my old uh, family photographs, um, you know, of the family and things like parents' uh, wedding photographs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been doing that because uh, we had a bit of a scare with the bushfires here in Australia. Yeah, about that's our house terrible. And, uh, uh, which we've been having a lot of, particularly in the eastern states. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, you know, if the house goes in a fire, then uh, we'd lose a lot of these important, you know, pieces of family history, like our photos. Mm-hmm. So um, the thing I would recommend to your listeners is uh, a donate to the Australian bushfire relief and. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got any precious uh, family photographs in your family that um, hasn't been digitised, then uh, I think get on that and make sure these things are preserved. Excellent. Yeah, that's very two very worthwhile recommendations there. And we'll put some links in the uh, the show notes so you can uh, get involved if you want to uh, Absolutely. Uh, make a pledge. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, so my recommendations are uh, really quite sort of throwaway after <laughs> Kieran's uh, <laughs> recommendation. Uh, I have been enjoying um, a Blu-ray release. It's not available in the UK, but it is region free, so I'm not entirely sure why. I guess there must be a rights thing or something. Um, the BBC have put out um, the Joan Hicks and uh, Miss Marple episodes on Blu-ray, and they look really good. Um, so I've been watching those. I uh, watched um, A Pocket Full of Rye this morning. 
and uh, which features a certain Peter Davison. So I think that might have been one of his first jobs after finishing Who? Because I think it was about 85, somewhere around that time. So, uh, yeah, that's been fun to go back and watch, uh, bringing back memories from my childhood. And uh, seeing as as we record this, we've just had uh, a Nikola Tesla-themed episode of Doctor Who on our TVs. Um, I think everyone should check out a, a Christopher Nolan movie called The Prestige which features a certain David Bowie playing the part of Nikola Tesla. Um, Well worth a watch. It's one that I've rated for quite a while. So those are my recommendations. So uh, before we go, um, I just wanted to firstly thank you both for spending the time uh, to come on the the podcast and chat about your amazing work. And also, um, where can our listeners find you if they want to investigate what you've been up to. So if we come to Kieran first. Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at the 66 Ramblers. And I'm also on YouTube as Kieran Hyman. Excellent. Uh, and Rich? And I'm on Twitter. Uh, and you can find me under the handle at far from all over. Ah, classic line. <laughs> excellent thank you both so much for taking the time out to come on Uh, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you thanks Mark it's been great yeah thanks Mark thanks for having us